Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Not again. We caught the government lying, yes, again, when it comes to Justin Trudeau's jet-setting ways. So much for all that promised transparency. And yet again, another example of Justin's leadership motto being, do as I say, not as I do. Just wait to hear what Sheila Gunn-Reed has to say about this egregious cover-up. Remember how frontline workers like firefighters used to be lauded as heroes? Well, that was a couple of months ago before the mandatory vaccine passports. Now these heroes are zeros if they don't reveal their vax status or refuse to take the jabs. Lincoln Jay will join me to chronicle a Toronto firefighter who is now suspended without pay thanks to embracing medical privacy. Shameful. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day, and you had plenty to say regarding my report on Dave Chappelle coming to Toronto's Scotiabank Arena for a sold-out show on Monday, but not everybody was happy. The lunatic fringe of Toronto's transgender community had an online temper tantrum, and of course, Pride Toronto condemned Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for providing the venue, but these social justice spirit unicorns failed to cancel the comedian and the show did go ahead as scheduled here's your final score sports fans dave chappelle one hogtown's cancel culture mob zero those are your rebels now let's round them up now normally i don't care about the government using the government jets to get around when they must but these are the same people who tell me that we're in some sort of climate change emergency and so we should all become unemployed in the oil patch and I don't understand why the liberals and their public sector bureaucrat enablers insist on being totally wrong or totally inept or purposefully misleading so shamelessly about the use of the jets and why and when they're being used because we keep catching them 
in this nonsense with their own paperwork. Now, the other day I showed you documents where the Department of National Defense told us there were no Challenger jet records for December 2020 when we filed for access to them. But then, four months later, the Department of National Defense told the House of Commons another thing in an order paper response. They said the Minister of National Defense had used the Challenger himself on December 18th, 2020. Now, you see, they could probably mislead access filers like us and get away with it, but they couldn't lie to the House of Commons. Well, these half-truth tellers in the DND are back at it once again, misleading us about the use of the Challenger. We filed for the July 2021 Challenger flight records, and yet... The Department of National Defense told us there just weren't any flight records. No flights at all. I guess Trudeau and the gang were, you know, <laughs> staying home to stay safe. Yeah, right. Do you know why we filed for those exact flight records? Because the Prime Minister's travel was widely reported in the mainstream media. We know he traveled. We know how he got there. Just look at this. Here's a video of Trudeau in Saskatchewan. On July 6th, Trudeau is speaking at the Cowesness First Nation. Later today, I'll be visiting the site of unmarked graves to pay my respects and sitting down with many of you to hear your stories as survivors. And then here's Trudeau meeting with Calgary Mayor Nahid Nenshi, reannouncing and, of course, naturally taking credit for funding promised years ago by Stephen Harper for a public transit initiative. So we sent the DND. Trudeau's itinerary on July 6th and 7th. On July 6th, we know Trudeau was at the Museum of History in Gatineau, Quebec, and then he flew to Saskatchewan and met with Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe at the Cowesness First Nation at a powwow that was taking place. And then July 7th, Trudeau was in Calgary. And frankly, he did an unusual amount of what we might loosely call work. He did a radio show at 8.30 in the morning. Then he was at a small business later on in the morning. Then he met with Premier Jason Kenney. And then he met, as we already showed you, outgoing Mayor Nahid Nenshi. There were media at all of these things reporting it all because that's what the media in Canada does. They just follow Justin Trudeau around like puppies. And yet the weird misleaders in the DND bureaucracy thought they could, I guess, get away with denying those records exist for a widely reported trip. Why? What's the point? Do they not like us here at Rebel News? I think I'll survive. Do they think the public shouldn't know these things? Or is this some sort of pathology? I mean, who else are they misleading? And about what? Now, the response by the DND to our fact check of them with the Prime Minister's own itinerary... Oh, it must be some sort of administrative error. I guess if that's what we call a pattern of not telling the whole truth, I suppose. What they call a paperwork problem, an administrative oopsie-daisy, I would call a pattern of lies. But what do I know? I'm just some woman, so <laughs> as you know, I could be experiencing this stuff differently as Justin Trudeau might put it to excuse away 
general bad behavior. Wow, talk about liar, liar, pants on fire. And in the case of the polyester slacks Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is wearing these days, we're talking a five-alarm towering inferno. As for his lackeys in the bureaucracy, oh, ho-hum, another day, another administrative error. Say, why do so many of these bumbling bureaucrats still have jobs to begin with? Oh, yeah, I forgot. The ones who are still gainfully employed in Ottawa are double-vaxxed and they have a pulse. That seems to be the benchmark for a federal government bureaucrat these days. And joining me now for more on a story that is downright infuriating is our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Hey, Sheila, how are you? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. Sheila, here's the issue. When we are constantly lied to, that <laughs> destroys, I think, the, you know, credibility of this government. Then again, given the number of scandals that can be attributed to this government over the past six years, does anyone who is part of Team Trudeau even care about credibility anymore? Is this a trick question? <laughs> no, of course these people don't care about credibility. I mean, the, every time I get a piece of paper back from this government, it smells like a smoldering pile of cotton dockers. Everybody, <laughs> and, and sometimes I don't know I'm being lied to right at that moment, but sometimes I know. I'm filing for records on a flight that you guys reported in the media. So I know it exists, but lying to me. And they just don't care. They just say, oh, there's nothing. Or, oh, uh, sorry, we even though we said there's nothing, I guess there is something because you just sent me the CBC article in the Prime Minister's itinerary <laughs> today saying that he did have a flight. And then they just say it's an administrative error, which is an interesting way of saying pattern of lies. You know, Sheila, here's my question. It's pure speculation, but I wonder how deep the rod is. And by that, I mean, do you think Justin Trudeau tells the bureaucrats, uh, by the way, if non-paid off media phone about certain sensitive travel documents, don't tell them the truth? Or is the bureaucracy so conditioned now to, you know, cover for this lying liar that they just take it upon themselves to be difficult with the information that we are entitled to get our hands on and see what's what? I think six of one, half a dozen of another. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are some people who uh, they've got watching orders from somebody to tell them, do not give out this information to this group. But there are some other that are, others that are just well-trained. And they see the tone and tenor of this administration. And they see how Justin Trudeau lied and lies and not just gets away with it gets re-elected and so they know that this is the tone by which they can conduct business in the federal government and completely get away with it in the third part of this video series about the challenger manifest we discovered where the barbados flight actually went over christmas last year and there was no need to lie about it but they just decided we're going to lie anyway. And we have it in, in writing where they say, if someone files for ATI, access to information, 
we are going to say there's nothing significant to report. I don't, but that's not how it works. If I ask you a question, you give me the information and I'll decide if the information you're giving me is not significant. Just give me the information. But when they lie and hide information from people, it creates conspiracy theories because then people start filling in the blanks. And who could blame them? Because all the government does is lie to you these days. And, and you know, Sheila, I think back to uh, last December, uh, our Ottawa friend Guy Annabelle reached out to us. He was doing tracking of flights in real time. And yeah, and I mean, it, what he alleged, it's now all come true, hasn't it? Well, sort of. There was a flight to Barbados. It was not the minister. But if they had just told everybody, it's not the prime minister, this is what we were doing. Yeah. Fine. But why hide that information? Why lie about this information? And they actively joked in their communications about, uh, oh, the conspiracy theorists are going wild on social media. Yeah, because they're filling in the blanks because you guys are a bunch of liars. It was not the prime minister. But it also was nothing to lie about. Why didn't they just tell everybody? I don't understand. It's like they get off on withholding information and being weirdos. You know, it's awful. It almost sounds like they're playing games or at least they're taking mirth and merriment out of this, um, you know, wild goose chase uh, in, in terms of what you just said, Sheila, that they were joking about uh, all the conspiracy theories uh, going wild on the Internet. And I think that's shameful because I don't know if these people realize it, but you, I and 38 million other Canadians are paying their salaries with our tax dollars. They don't have a right to act like this, Sheila. No, and that was the point that I made in my video that has yet to come out, is that just tell the truth, because not only are we entitled to this information, but would it kill you to show a little respect for the people who pay salaries, bureaucrats? Don't mock them because they're filling in the blanks because you guys are a bunch of liars. And usually, usually when I'm dealing with the federal government, because it's pretty easy, they're the federal government, I assume ineptitude. Right. I assume that they just don't know what they're doing, so they don't know how to give me this information. But when I see them plotting back and forth in text messages to lie to people, it's not an aptitude. That's malice and disrespect for the taxpayer. But that attitude comes right down from the top. If Justin Trudeau can do it, why can't they? Yeah, the fish rots from the head, doesn't it? You know, Sheila, it's amazing. I don't think there's anyone better in Canada than you going through these voluminous documents. Some of it is just so boring and dry. But then again, you come across nuggets uh, that reveal the mindset of some of these people in Ottawa. I know what I remember, Sheila. Remember that ridiculous multi-million dollar ice rink they built for Canada's sesquicentennial on Parliament Hill? And we went through those documents and there was some some bureaucrat looking over the plans of the rink and noticed there wasn't mesh around the end parts of the arena. And he brought up the, the true story, the tragic true story of a 15-year-old girl that was killed at a Columbus Blue Jackets game because a deflected puck hit her in the head. Uh, but what the, the phrase he used was, imagine if we don't put that mesh and that happens again on parliament hill think of the horrible publicity not think about the 15 year old girl that died but think about the bad publicity for justin trudeau this is a special kind of crazy to me sheila i know and then i think it was that 
that rink cost like six million dollars and it was only for like a handful of days yeah and, and you couldn't play shinny you can play a little pickup hockey <laughs> <laughs> but it was six million dollars to play it in photos yeah, it wasn't like there was Brett Hall out there uh, whipping off slap shots. Sheila, we got to wrap it here. You know, uh, last question, exit question. Um, once upon a time, and I don't mean going back to the Diefenbaker days, I mean going back some 15 years ago to the Stephen Harper days, these kind of scandals would be front page, i.e. Bev Oda's infamous $16 orange juice. But with this stuff, and it's constant, it's almost a daily occurrence of scandal. Uh, nothing to see here, folks says the media party. Why? Well, with Bev Oda, the a sort of outrage about what she did, it came from the liberal media. Yeah. But what finally did Bev in was conservatives who said, Bev, come on. We don't do this. The liberals do this. You got to go. The liberals don't have that sort of political hygiene on their side. They will blindly follow the leader, excuse anything, three times blackface, maybe more, uh, lying bureaucrats, cutting the lie on paper, we scandal, lab scandal, uh, everything. They'll excuse away all of that. The folly of conservatives is, I suppose, their own high standards for who they allow to lead them and represent them. It's, it's what allows liberals to win and win and win. Sheila, great analysis and great report as always, my friend. Thank you so much and you have a good weekend. I will, David, you too. Thank you. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Lincoln J for Rebel News here in Toronto. Now, for the past 20 months, frontline workers have been declared heroes for their continuous work throughout the pandemic. Those same heroes are now being put out of work for simply refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine. I had the chance to speak with one of those frontline workers, Andrew Mason, a Toronto firefighter who has been placed on suspension without pay for not disclosing his vaccination status. Andrew has a family to provide for and bills to pay. He has worked without second thought through the entire pandemic and is now being left out to dry. Have a listen to Andrew's story. Well, I'm from Jamaica, moved to Canada in 2001. Went to high school and a Western technical and commercial school from that point on, just got into the working field after I graduated from high school. I had a friend of mine that introduced me to firefighting through the newspaper, so he told me to, to give it a go. So I said, you know what, I would. Went out to the seminar, got into it, spoke to a few guys. They got me really interested because it was more like a brotherhood, so I was really interested in getting somewhere like that where you could feel like a close-knit family while you're doing your work and it gets you motivated, helping people and being close to the guys that you're working with at the same time. So that's how I got into it. Fell in love with it from that point on. I've been active duty firefighter for five years, going on six, it's coming March. With the mandatory vaccine requirements in place for Toronto Fire Services, where does this leave you? Well, it leaves me basically hopeless because I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing to take care of my family to do whatever I need to do to, to ensure that future is secure. As it stands right now, I'm currently suspended without pay. I have no income coming in. I have no clue what I'll be doing. 
it's leaving me in uncertainty because we have no idea what's really going on between the negotiation between the the the, the council and and the union where we're basically left in the dark there's no releases there's nothing really updating us of what what's really going on and from the the bit of information that i did have is that city council is being very hard in terms of making any kind of compromises towards us or having any kind of sympathy for us to be able to exercise our freedoms in to not disclosing our, our vac vaccination status or whatever the case may be when it comes to that so with that information that we do have and what we don't it just it's just very very depressing what were your interactions like with your superiors, your colleagues on your final days of work before the suspension? Well, my superiors, like with my captains and such, that we have constant interaction with, they were fantastic. The guys that I, that I work with, they, they were great. They were very supportive and they basically supported me to make whatever decision that I needed to make, whatever, whatever I thought was right. The guys were looking out for me, so they were just like, you know what, do what's best for your family. If you can, go ahead and, and do it, just so you know that you're, you're safe and secure. They did it with, with, just with the purest of hearts. It wasn't like they were talking down to me or trying to force me to get it or looking at my side either or any, or any, any kind of way that was, that was negative. It's just that you could see it, that they, were, that they were just looking out for me. So even though with the decision that, I, that I've made, which is very tough, they've they still been giving me phone calls, texts, and just saying that we support the decision wish you all the best and if you need any help that we'll be there for you so i really i really appreciate my guys and my guys around the city not that not the ones that i work with immediately but the guys around the city that's been calling and and showing support as well there's a lot of people that would say why don't you just get the jab is it really worth it for you to lose your job why not just get the vaccine what's really going to happen to you but it's different for you why is it important for you to stay true to your beliefs because i believe the last the last point of dominion that any man has is the physical being, right? If it, anything that passes beyond that, then you have no control. You have utterly no control over your life. You have no control of what goes inside your body. And I'm not willing to give that up. Isn't it just so perverse, folks? Just two months ago, during the 20th anniversary of 9-11, our elected officials the world over were justifiably lauding first responders, you know, firefighters and police officers and paramedics, the type of people who were running into the Twin Towers as citizens were running out of those skyscrapers. And many of those first responders paid the ultimate price and yet just mere weeks after those glowing tributes to our emergency services personnel, these very same officials who lauded firefighters and police and paramedics are now telling them to either get the jab or lose their job. Talk about what have you done for me lately? And joining me now with more on this story is our ace photojournalist, Lincoln J. Lincoln, whatever the hell happened to, you know, reasonable accommodation when it comes to a frontline hero such as uh, Andrew Mason. It just seems like there's there's no options for them. It's just do it our way or the highway, you know, get the job or you're out of a job. It's as simple as that. But what is the unspoken strategy here? Um, you know, for years we've been uh, given the talking points from the left, reasonable accommodation, my body, my choice. If there are a few percentage points of firefighters not getting vaccinated and everybody else has been vaccinated, 
What is really the tangible danger to members of that department? Beats me. I don't know if there is a danger. I just yeah. think that the powers that be just want this vaccine pushed at all costs and they're putting in these restrictions, these mandates all across the board, all sectors, it seems like, and they're just not budging. It just seems like they're doing anything they can to push these and coercing people to, coercing workers with vaccine mandates saying that you have to get the jab or you're out of a job. That's just the way they want to do it. And it's a way that they think they're going to get more people vaccinated. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to, say, a firefighter versus an office worker, Lincoln, here's what I don't get. Um, these people, I'm not saying this happens every day, every shift on the job, but there are those times where there's the proverbial five alarm fire. It's a very dangerous situation. They're going into fires. They're trying to rescue people. They could literally put their lives on the line as so many did in 9-11 on that dark day. Um, what I'm getting at is they're already accepting a high degree of danger on the job, physical danger, fighting fires. How is it a virus with a recovery rate of 99.7% is considered an even bigger danger than, say, you know, a fire, a major fire? It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, They were... They were frontline heroes, right? For yeah. the past, I believe it's 20 months now since the yeah. pandemic uh, was has had begun, and they he worked. Andrew worked without a problem. You yeah. know the entire the entire pandemic uh, up until he was suspended without pay recently. You know, no questions asked. Went to work just like every other frontline worker, and now those same frontline workers are out of out of work simple as that and andrew's just a, just one example of the many canadians that are dealing with this it's sad i kind of you know perversely laugh at that phrase suspended without pay uh, that kind of sounds like being fired to me yeah it is <laughs> and it's i guess there this is a step towards termination because they basically are suspended without pay, giving them a little bit more time to potentially get the vaccine. I think that's what the uh, that's the idea behind it. I see. And termination is coming, unfortunately. So they're kind of in the penalty box now to use a hockey analogy. Uh, you're going to serve your 10 minute misconduct. Uh, but if you don't reform your ways, uh, you're suspended from the league, i.e. fired outright. Absolutely shameful. What is um, Mr. Mason's union doing for him, Lincoln? Uh, not much. It just seems that, uh, as he mentioned in in my report, that they're just not budging, mm. right, in, in any way. So there's a lot of uh, turmoil with communication, and he's basically just, he's kind of just left in the dark. You know, this is the other fascinating thing. We have seen in so many cases, whether it's firefighters, law enforcement, rail workers, flight attendants at Air Canada, Unifor employees, you know, the uh, auto assembly plants, the unions and management are like this. I've never seen such a thing. Why is it that the unions are so much on the bandwagon of mandatory jabs in the first place? This whole vaccine craze is just... I don't know. I've I've never seen anything like it. It's just everybody has just kind of completely changed, you mm -hmm. know, and 
every everything and everyone and every business it seems like not every business is just centered around these mandates and mm. and basically if i feel like a lot of these companies and unions etc if they don't go with the majority they feel like they're I don't know. They just don't they don't want to take that risk of separating themselves from the crowd. You know, I, I'm baffled because they've never been, um, you know, uh, re reserved or reluctant to take a hard line against management when it comes to higher wages, more benefits, vacation days whatsoever. And by the way, Lincoln, the reason why I'm so focused on the unionization factor is because when you are a member of the union, um, when you are part of that collective bargaining agreement, you give up so many of the labor rights so that if you were to do some kind of wrongful dismissal uh, claim, in many instances, it's just not going to fly because you are unionized. So the guy you expect to go to bat for you uh, he's hanging out to dry yeah I don't know I know I keep kind of repeating this but the whole push with everything with COVID and with the vaccines is that if you're getting the vaccine you're doing your part you're keeping others safe and yeah. people really have kind of bought into that like a love spell and uh, they all believe that they're they're doing the right thing with these mandates it's a sad reality people they honestly I, they, they're either doing it because they feel coerced to or uh, they believe it's the right thing. Uh, it just all confuses me. And it confuses me, too, because they were the frontline heroes before there was such a thing as a COVID vaccine. Uh, now, in this day and age of Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson and the rest, uh, you are a frontline zero unless you get this experimental uh, vaccine put into your arm. Uh, it's a shame. I just wonder, last question, how many Andrew Masons do we have? I know I, I interviewed another Ontario firefighter. Uh, he was dismissed from his job simply for making a video about his decision to not to reveal his vac status at the fire hall that was good enough for his uh you know department to throw him under the uh, the hook and ladder if you will i'm just wondering um how many of these people there are lincoln in because if there's a critical mass being fired then isn't that a safety issue? I mean, aren't fire departments going to be short-staffed? These are well-trained, experienced firefighters. You just can't go to the local manpower uh, outlet and ask for a, a temporary worker to fill that role. So could this result in, you know, a, a fire not being attended to in the future the way it should be because there's a, a shortage of qualified firefighters? I can't comment on that exactly from the conversations that me and Andrew had or that Andrew and I had uh, off camera. It seems like it honestly seems like there was no exact numbers or anything, but it seems like uh, when it came down to it, there was a lot of people against it. A lot of people in the, in the fire department in his department that were against it. They were against the coercion, against the mandatory vaccination. But when it came down to it, they they gave in. And that's, uh, I think that's, that's the reality. So I, I, I don't know exactly how many people, how many situations, but I think uh, a lot of people do give into the coercion, unfortunately. And I do get that part, Lincoln, of giving into the coercion, uh, not in terms of bending the knee uh, just because someone is bullying you, but at the end of the day, you got to put groceries on the table, you got to pay the mortgage, and people are facing financial ruin. So it is just despicable. 
Excellent report. Thank you very much, Lincoln. And there you go. And for all you elected officials who just back in September 11th of this year, lauding these emergency personnel as the frontline heroes, those who are prepared to give the ultimate sacrifice, how fortunate we are for them. Like I said earlier, folks, um, just weeks later, it's uh, get the jabs or you lose your jobs. You are despicable. You are hypocrites and you should give them their jobs back along with an apology. Yeah. Keep it here, more of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Dave Chappelle gets to speak. I, Jason Bard, get to speak. You get to speak. We all get to speak. You don't have a right to cancel me. I don't have a right to cancel you. You see, this is how we get progress in life. I think if there's anything worse than censorship, it's self-censorship. For sure. No, I, I completely agree with that. And at the end of the day, you can't make every single person happy. Yeah. You know, with every decision I've ever made, there's always been someone that's like upset about it. So like, at the end of the day, I, I don't know. It's, I don't really know what to say. Again, why? Like, do you, do you want me living on the street? homeless, having no way to make money, uh, like, is that what you want from people that disagree with you? What Dave's trying to do is he's, he's talking about it because there's a conversation to be had, and if people are getting mad, then that means there's a conversation. He, he invites the controversy, but he doesn't think there's a need to be canceled for it. You know, let's take it to the extreme. Folks, if you think I'm exaggerating about how the COVID protocols in terms of the vaccine passports is making life miserable, it is now 7.30. There are hundreds of people inside Scotiabank Arena waiting to get out. There are actually a couple of thousand outside. Dave Chappelle is here today, yeah, and he's made um, observations, jokes that has offended some uh, in the radical yeah, yeah. transgender community, and uh, they want him canceled. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I think he screwed up big time, and oh. and this is ridiculous. Oh, so Dave Chappelle screwed up big time by making? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Why would you say that shit, man? Like, I know everybody on the street, and I'm yeah. not gonna put down nobody. I think it's all silly. Well, I'm not following it too closely. Like, it's comedy. I watch the shows. They're not offensive as far as I'm concerned. Did you see his last show, sir? Of course. I've seen every one of Chappelle's show. Did you see anything remotely offensive in that last show? Because it's not a comedy show. Okay, then. And even if comedy is offensive, does anyone really have a right not to be offended? No, freedom of speech. Well, he's speaking of his own personal experience in a comedy format. I, I don't think he's political in that sense. So, And his views, he has friends of all sorts. So, Well, folks, as you can see, as the night gets later, still so many hundreds of people waiting to get in. That's the new reality when it comes to the Vax Pass. But a couple of sad observations. One is... We were going around prior to people getting in line to get into the Dave Chappelle show. You would think that Dave Chappelle fans would be full of bluster when it comes to taking a stand against the cancel culture mobsters. But no, so many people said to me, listen, 
We love Chappelle, we love Rebel News, but I can't come on camera because I run a business and I don't want to be segregated. I don't want to be pointed out by the cancel culture mob and have my livelihood destroyed. Such is the sad, sad reality of 2021. And although we didn't encounter any protesters as part of the spirit unicorn community, um, Pride Toronto issued a release condemning uh, the Dave Chappelle show here in Toronto. And it's very funny, isn't it, folks? It's perversely ironic to me that the LGBT community for decades has asked for more acceptance, more tolerance. And yet when you have Mr. Chappelle make jokes or makes even observations about certain members of that community, there is no tolerance, there is no acceptance. He should be canceled, he should be given an economic de death sentence. I guess when it comes to the alphabet soup uh, community, or at least the uh, radical elements of it, acceptance and tolerance in 2021 is a one-way street. Well, Dave Chappelle dropped by Hogtown on Monday, and of course, the radical trans community had their knickers in a knot because Mr. Chappelle is allegedly transphobic. Translation, Dave made some witty observations about this uber-sensitive community in his Netflix comedy special, The Closer, and evidently that's offside because, well, because radical trans people are Special? Oh, they're special, all right. And even though Pride Toronto condemned Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for giving Chappelle a stage, the show, thank God, went on as planned. In any event, you had plenty to say about Dave Chappelle versus the transgendered cancel culture mobsters. Jason H. writes, Dave is the funniest bloke I have ever watched. Why would you want to cancel his show? His racist jokes are hilarious, and I'm white. Indeed, Jason, in the Closer Netflix show that caused the controversy, Dave not only targets the trans community, but he makes jokes about Jews, about white men and black women. He's pretty much an equal opportunity offender. But why does it seem that in this day and age, that only certain groups must be considered sacred cows when it comes to comedy. What happened to equality when it comes to the humor file? Handsome Fat Boy writes, it's like the left is getting stronger and weirder. Well, for sure the left is getting weirder, weirder by the hour. As for stronger, I don't know about that one. Check out those U.S. election results earlier this month when so many sure-thing Democrats got their arses handed to them. People are waking up, and be it critical race theory or the perverse agenda espoused by those in the radical transgender community, patriotic citizens are demonstrating that they are getting weary of this ideological crap. By the way, can't wait to see the results of the U.S. midterm elections next year. Sergio Reggie writes, Too many oversensitive, fragile buttercups out there. Go Dave Chappelle. Oh, I agree, Sergio, but... Here's the thing, the problem isn't the rank and file of Buttercup Nation. No, the problem is those people in charge who are bending the knee to these buttercups and spirit unicorns and gender benders and what have you. These creeps shouldn't be calling the shots when it comes to what is 
and what is not permissible in the public square. Rather, many of them should just be residing in an asylum. Rorschach writes, they are so stupid, by trying to cancel him, they just advertised him for free. Indeed, sir, I believe this phenomenon is known as the Barbara Streisand effect, and sometimes you just gotta love the law of unintended consequences. Face Like Dog writes, LGBTQ equals let's get Biden to quit. Wow, that's my kind of LGBTQ. Hey, that's even better than let's go, Brandon. Uh, let's hope that gets on a bumper sticker sometime soon. Ryan Otram writes, why the F do I care, Rebel Not News? Well, here's why you should care, Ryan. Two years ago, it was beloved Canadian icon Don Cherry that got cancelled. Earlier, it was Las Vegas Raiders coach John Gruden who was shown the door. Now the insatiable cancel culture mob has its sights set on primo comedian Dave Chappelle. How long will it be before maybe you are cancelled for something you wrote or something you said? Maybe when you have some skin in the game, Ryan, that's when you'll give an F. Big Steve-O writes, even YouTube is scared of trans people, LOL. Try and say something about them. It will get deleted in 17 seconds. Indeed, talk about the tyranny of the minority. And, you know, as I watched The Closer earlier this month, folks, I was champing at the bit to witness all this horrible transphobic content that certain people were fussing over. And you know what? The so-called hate speech never materialized. In fact, the one observation that Chappelle made that seems to be the catalyst for the radical trans people losing their minds is this, quote, gender is a fact. Every human being in this room, every human being on earth had to pass through the legs of a woman to be on earth, that is a fact, end quote. Why is this factual statement pertaining to biology 101 so bloody offensive to these people? What else will they be offended by in the days and weeks ahead? The theory of gravity? Sandy Hoffman writes, Comedy would be completely dead if it wasn't for guys like Chappelle. Well, you know what, Sandy? We came this close to comedy being effectively killed earlier this month in Canada when the Supreme Court delivered a favorable verdict for comedian Mike Ward by a single vote, five to four. Ward was accused of hurting somebody's feelings and had a single justice voted the other way, there would have been a very dangerous new precedent set for free speech in our great dominion. It is scary that four Supreme Court justices actually believe that people have the right not to be offended. Amazing. And finally, Cricket writes, if people actually watch the show, they'd understand he is not anti-trans. Watch, listen, but they'd rather scream and lose their tiny little minds. That's much easier than thinking. Well, you nailed it, Cricket, but I'm betting at least half of Chappelle's detractors never even bothered to watch The Closer. They are being told by their social justice ringleaders how to think and how to react. 
And to paraphrase Tina Turner, what's truth got to do with it? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.